When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All you have to do is go to TalkingRealMoney.com and go to the contact form, click on the microphone, and record your question with your computer microphone or your iPhone microphone or your Android phone microphone or whatever microphone you happen to have with which you can record this. And then I will answer them on an upcoming Friday edition of the podcast, like I'm going to do today. Oh, and by the way, um, if you want to talk with us live, like actually have a conversation, not just leave a question. Remember, every single Saturday, pretty much every single Saturday, with few exceptions, Tom and I get together on a radio station in Seattle, Northwest News Radio, and we do a show. And then that show becomes a podcast the next week. And you can call us there on Saturdays between 3 and 5 Eastern Time, noon to 2 Pacific, at 855-935-8255 which just happens to spell talk, T-A-L-K at the end, 855-935-TALK. So, without further ado, let's do our first question of the day, which is on a very good mic, by the way. I have a question about adding large cap value to my portfolio. To preface my question, I use my Roth IRA for small cap value and emerging markets, so I can't go to the IRA for my answer. The only two large cap blend and large cap value options in my 457 plan are the Fidelity 500 Index, FXAIX, and the DFA U.S. Large Cap Value, DFLVX. The expense ratio of the 500 Index Fund is 0.015, and the large cap value is 0.31. I was thinking of adding DFLVX to my portfolio, but the expense ratio is 20 times more expensive. Is the benefit of adding that large cap value worth the much larger expense ratio? And if so, what mix between those two funds do you think is a good combination for the large cap portion of my portfolio? Thank you very much for taking my question. Well, let's start by talking about the incredibly inexact nature of investing. (laughs) Because we're dealing with that nebulous thing called the future, it is an inexact science. Now, the reason we believe that your portfolio should have a value tilt is because of some incredible work done over the course of decades by Eugene Fama and Kenneth French. And they found that over a very long period of time, there was a premium for value stocks over growth stocks. 
at one point, and I, I can't remember exactly, but I read the paper recently, I believe it got as high as about a half a percent a month, which is great. I mean, think about that. If it's an average, it's about 6% a year. But past is not indicative of the future. As a matter of fact, they found more recently that value premium has either dropped or declined or has gone negative. Recently, growth stocks, recently, last 20 years, growth stocks have been walloping value. But again, they hold, and it makes sense that value will have its day again as it traditionally has in the past. So we're we're betting that they're right, but it's not a major bet because value stocks still make money overall or have made money overall. So, um, and by the way, I just checked the DFLVX. Apparently, they've lowered their expense ratio. I show it as 0.21. But when we get down to this ridiculously low figure, when we're down here in the below a third of a percent, the differences shouldn't be that big. And if the value premium reemerges, then that additional two-tenths of a percent you're paying should be overwhelmed by the additional return, should, but we don't know that it will. That's why I would probably just split it here. Just put half in the Fidelity 500, which, by the way, is very cheap, um, cheaper than Vanguard's, and the other half in the DFA. I think that makes it simple. I think it's worth doing because you further diversify and you add something that is a little riskier. And that's the reason, this is such a simple formula, the reason value and small have historically outperformed large and growth is because they're riskier. You just get rewarded for taking that extra risk. That's the way the system is supposed to work. It doesn't always work that way, but it's supposed to. Thank you so very much for your question. I really do appreciate it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we do the next one. Good morning, Tom and Don. This is David from the Yosemite area. I was listening to your program a couple of weeks ago, and a caller mentioned the, the plan of using 529 money to fund a retirement account, a Roth IRA, for the same named beneficiary. I think this is a great idea, and I was wondering why you hadn't spoke about it much earlier on the podcast. I'm about to fund a retirement account for our grandkids along the same lines as Paul Merriman's legacy for a grandchild. We already have a 529 account set up for our grandchildren for educational expenses, but I'm considering opening a new 529 account specifically for the purpose of funding a Roth IRA. I do know the limitations about the maximum $35,000 per lifetime and the name to beneficiaries and such. But I wondered what you thought about this approach and if you think this is a good strategy for getting money into a Roth IRA for grandchildren. It seems like if you do this, you could completely avoid paying taxes on this money. Let me know what you think. I'm about to pull the trigger on this. I love your program. Keep up the great work. Bye-bye. What? People actually get to live in the Yosemite area? 
I thought we could only visit it. Wow, you get to look at that all the time? Dang. Lucky you. Anyway, oh, and, and thanks for all the nice comments. Um, this <laughs> The reason we didn't mention it more is because it didn't come into fruition until 2023. It was in the Secure 2.0 Act that passed at the end of last year, so it hasn't been around very long. But boy, we have talked about it. We've talked about it a lot, and we're going to talk about it a lot more because it is such a great idea. Holy cow. You want to give your grandkids the the ultimate gift. I mean, nothing could be better. Start putting money into a 529 for them, with some of it earmarked toward a Roth IRA. Because if you put enough in there that by the time they're working, let's say they're 21, uh, which gives them, geez, 49 years till they're 70, even earning just 6%, which is well below what the stock market has historically earned over the past almost 100 years, um, they're going to be looking at well north of half a million dollars without ever putting another penny in their retirement funds. If they continue to add to it, well, gee, sky's the limit. And if for some strange reason they were to make something like, well, let's say less than the number that Dave Ramsey says, because he often says 12, let's just say 10. That's, that's a, I think that's a reasonable stock market assumption. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but I think that's pretty reasonable. Then we're looking at, oh, I don't know, over $4 million. So, yeah, is it worth doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you've got the money, yeah. If it's not going to hurt you, don't hurt your retirement for their future. But if uh, if you can help them to that extent, I, I just think this is one of the biggest things that ever happened uh, for uh, for gifting to family members. I just think it's marvelous. So, yeah, we'll talk about it a lot more. We have. We've probably talked about it 20 times in the past year, maybe more. And if you have a question, just go to TalkingRealMoney.com, send it in on the contact form, or call our show live on Saturdays from 3 to 5 Eastern Time at 855-935-TALK. Here's our next question. Hey, guys. Hey, from one boomer to another, I think you guys are on the wrong side of Bitcoin. You keep hanging your hat on this two-year data point that shows that if you bought Bitcoin two years ago, you're not in profit. Yes, that's true. I agree with you. But what if you bought any other time in the last 15 years? I'm afraid you're going to find out that Bitcoin is the best performing asset class in the last 7 of 10 years, in the last 12 of 15 years. Bitcoin's 15 years old and still growing. I think you guys are going to have to make a stronger case if you want to make a case against Bitcoin. All right, try to do a little bit better. Oh, we don't use the last two years as the case against it. That just shows the volatility of it. No, 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 no. That's not my argument. And I think it's it would be a spurious argument, just as I think the argument that it's the top-performing asset class uh, is spurious, too. I, I So what? So what? I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of investments. Well, you know, I mean, even Bernie Madoff's investments soared for decades. Soared. They were incredibly good. Does that did that make them good investments? 
No. No, my argument, and I can't speak for Tom, but my argument is one of of quality of asset. What is this asset worth? What is it really worth? It has no intrinsic value. There is no asset backing it. Gold is at least backed by a shiny rock. A company is backed by the buildings it owns, the factories it owns, the uh, profit it makes, the cash it has in its accounts. There's something significant there. Even the U.S. currency is backed by the taxing ability of the United States government. So it's really not a fiat currency, whatever the heck, however the heck you mean that. But Bitcoin has nothing behind it. It is merely an idea. It's an idea that is made rare by the fact that they are hard to get. Well, just because something is hard to get doesn't necessarily make it valuable. It just makes, as long as you keep the excitement up, it increases its value because you're dealing with the greater fool theory. I believe Bitcoin rests entirely on the greater fool theory. And until we run out of greater fools, yeah, it can continue to make people a lot of money. Problem is, I never know when the greater, the last greater fool is going to jump in the pool. And uh, the other Bitcoin is essentially worth nothing as a currency either. Name me one normal thing that you can buy with Bitcoin, Bitcoin itself, without converting it to dollars. One normal, everyday item that you can buy consistently with Bitcoin. Good luck. Can you go to the grocery store with Bitcoin? No. Can you go to most car dealers and buy a car with Bitcoin? No. No. Can you uh, clothe yourself with Bitcoin? I don't think so. Will your doctor take Bitcoin? Not likely. Will your hospital take Bitcoin? Don't think so. Bitcoin is purely a speculation. It cannot fall in the category of investment because it isn't. It can't become more valuable by any factor other than increasing demand or reduced supply or a combination thereof. That's it. That's all that props it up. And when the demand goes away, which I truly believe it will someday, again, because of its lack of practical purpose, then I feel sorry for all the people who got in. But you can't say a lot of people didn't tell you when it happens. And I'm pretty confident. It's one of the, actually, it's one of the future things I'm, I'm quite confident about. That and the fact that the global economy is likely to continue to grow because it has for thousands of years. But there have been lots of speculative hot doohickeys that have come around and in every case, every case, they've eventually failed. So that's just a part of my argument. I could go much longer, but we got to keep it down. Let's go to the next question, shall we? Hey, Don, I think you're on the wrong side of Bitcoin. Did you know that if you held a portfolio of 95% cash and 5% Bitcoin, you would have had a better 10-year return than the S&P 500? You might want to get some just in case this thing catches on. <laughs> the same guy? I, I think it must be. Uh, you know, the, the more you try to push this thing, 
the more concerned I am because it's like, you know, we got to keep the excitement up so that next person will buy it. But I'm not going to go into my diatribe because I just did it. Please see previous answer. Now, please listen to our next question. Hi, Don and Tom. Really enjoy your podcasts and, and information. I appreciate it very much. My question is this. I have an annuity had it for 30 years. It's got over seven figures in it now. I don't really and don't ever anticipate needing the money in the future. The reason that I am maintaining the annuity was that when I pass away and leave it to my spouse, she then can have that money to do whatever she needs to do with and if she doesn't want to if she doesn't need the money herself then she could continue to leave the money in that annuity or annuitize it and take the money over a month-to-month basis based on her age is is that a good idea or should I terminate the annuity, there'll be no cost at this point, and put the money in the stock market? Again, thank you for everything you do. I really appreciate it and enjoy listening to your podcast. Thanks. Well, thanks so much for the kind comments. Um, it's not a matter of is it the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. It's whether it's the thing you should do in your situation. And there, that's something that I can't know unless I spent time with you, finding out what the needs are, what the specific situation is, what the risk tolerances are, the risk profile, too. I mean, I think it's a, a decent idea, particularly if you have a spouse who does not want to get in the, involved in the process of managing money. You know, she can take this annuity and annuitize it and get checks for the rest of her life. Because the the lump sum is not needed. Uh, however, I think you could, with the right advice and the right portfolio, conceivably make more money. But is that the the most important consideration? Doesn't sound like it is. You know, who cares? You've got seven figures there. It's more than you need. It's probably more than she needs. So... Could you make more money? I, I I would think you could. Could you make it a lot simpler for your wife? No, I think it's right now pretty darn simple for her. And uh, I would I would even suggest that she just consider annuitizing it so that she has a better income uh, and something that's very predictable on which she can budget. But again, it's even hard to do that without having a, a true planning conversation with you. But is it is it a bad thing? No. Good? Don't know. Thanks so much for your question. And thank you all for your questions, for listening, for being a part of the show, for giving us tough questions from time to time. We love them all. We don't pass on a single question. So uh, bring them on. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Click on the contact form. 
record your question or message or whatever it is there. And on a future podcast on a Friday, you'll hear me answering them or taking them on. Uh, let's see. Anything else I need to share with you? Oh, by the way, if you do need the help of an advisor going into the new year, you're thinking, okay, it's a new year. I'm going to get my financial life in order. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click the Meet an Advisor button, set up an appointment with an advisor. They will contact you, and you can talk with them honestly for free, for free, won't cost anything, no obligation, and you're not going to get a high-pressure sales pitch. We don't believe in that. We don't need to believe in that. Actually, we believe the opposite. We believe that the better you feel about your experience with us, even if you don't ever hire us, the more likely you are to, selfishly, the more likely you are to tell a friend or an acquaintance who needs help. You're going to go, well, these guys didn't lie. They actually gave me a free meeting. Anyway, just go to TalkingRealMoney.com, and uh, there's a lot of other cool stuff there. And again, have a great 2024, and uh, join us again every single day, practically, as Tom and I are talking real money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. And the lawyers get richer.